Switched on on F104 and I'm joined by founder of Orc Media, Kira Sheehan. Hello. Hi, Louise. So we're back for one more week of walking through the metaverse and I suppose kicking us off with Music Accelerator. Yes. So this is one of my favourite companies, MasterCard, mm-hmm. who everybody should keep an eye on in Web3. And they have launched a Music Accelerator in conjunction with a company called Polygon. Mm-hmm. And Polygon are a platform that enables transactions um, in Bitcoin and they're very well established. They're one of the kind of founders of the whole Web3 um, stratosphere, if you like. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they have announced a music accelerator for artists, which starts in spring this year. And it's to help artists get established in Web3 and it's to educate them and show them how can that they can leverage the Web3 technology and other blockchain innovations in the music industry. So at the moment, you have kind of one or two people who are in Decentraland or the Sandbox. You've got your Snoop Dogs and, you know, mm-hmm. your high-level stuff. But really, if you're an artist and you're trying to break through and you're looking at where the next five years is going to be and your demographic, how do you get to them? So um, this is the whole reason behind teaching artists how to come into Web3. So mm-hmm. what they will do is the winning artist is only five in the first tranche. Okay. But I think they will expand that. Um, they will be equipped with all of the skills they will need and the connections they need to help them establish their music careers in the, in the digital economy. So they'll get invites to shows, music um, projects, and they'll be shown how to do things like create NFTs, mm-hmm. how to understand how they're going to work, and how to mint them, how to engage in virtual realities in the metaverse, and how to maintain a vibrant brand community. You know, the same as you would in, in kind of in, in going to gigs and having an online presence. Absolutely. How does a brand mm. or a band or even a music artist manager manage that in Web3? Um, and what I liked about it is it's not just open to songwriters. It's open to managers, DJs, any kind of a creator in the industry. And that could be someone who creates soundscapes or who does soundtracks or creates art that goes, say, with album covers. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's... it's um. It's a very comprehensive kind of guide to Web3, but it's very open to people from different elements of the music industry. Which I think is really important because obviously, you know, we both have an interest in music. We both listen to quite a bit. But mm. there, it is now moving on, really, isn't it? From just what it used to be, the, you kind of need is. to be doing more. You do. And the funny thing is, if you look at the demographic of the decision makers in the music industry at that level, a lot of them wouldn't be in a in a Web3 space and mm. they wouldn't be necessarily connected to what's coming through. They would be in kind of, how do I put this, kind of um, well proven in the music industry with traditional platforms. Mm-hmm. So they're out of their comfort zone and I know because I'm dealing with some of them, some of them in some of the labels that they, they want to know about it but at the same time they don't want to know about it because everything's just fine right now. Mm-hmm. But it's changing. So these guys need to come on board and this is a really good way to drive innovation with the artist driving the knowledge rather than waiting for the label to have the knowledge to bring them with them. Yeah, it sounds amazing because like, it is something that is going to be having to be thought about. I suppose at the moment, TikTok is kind of the new one, but it is going yeah. to be it is going to be more than that. So this is really good. It sounds really good. And also, like I followed a couple of people on, on Twitter who talk about this quite a bit, where there is this switch from uh, 2.0 to 3.0, obviously from Web 2 to Web 3. So there is that discussion. It is happening whether or not like we're jumping on it. 
yet? Well, what we really need is for the people in the music industry to embrace it. Mm. Is it um, a fear, got, though, maybe? Do you know what? It's kind of, and I hate to say this, it's kind of happy and unhappy syndrome. Yeah. Things are working for people right now in a nice way and they don't really want to disrupt it unless, unless it has to be. Mm-hmm. So while you have people, well, like, you know, your Snoop Dogs and your people in Decentraland, um, that's far away. That doesn't really affect the standard sales um, and music consumption and streaming that most labels would have at the moment mm-hmm. but that will change and you know I'm dealing with one or two innovation managers in different labels in the UK and there's one of them who's they're really innovative but the rest of them think they're innovative mm-hmm. but they're actually not mm-hmm. so it's it's the beginning of a culture change I think and the mm-hmm. fact that it's backed by MasterCard is really going to bring credibility and the artist will like have that credibility over and above other artists coming through and it would also you know, show them, show the other the labels up and people who are not making the decisions they need to make. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see now how that grows. It sounds really, really good. And then to move on yes. to Chat GPT. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I know. <It's> an, it, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's another one of those words, like Roblox, you know, that you yeah. really have to concentrate on. <laughs> so the world has blown up with Chat GPT lately. Um, mm. And I've kind of had my eye on it. Last year, you know, I was watching the behind the scenes conversations and it's all kind of a bit scary because it's like AI and it's built by these really clever people um, on the back of a framework Mm -hmm. of an open learning framework. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the the basic stuff is that it's a chat box Mm -hmm. and it was launched in November 2022 in beta mode. Um, You know, the other scary stuff is that it's really clever and it's been trained by really clever people. Over a period of time, um, and following the release of it, their company was valued at twenty nine billion. So, like, wow, this is, this is like mega. Yeah. So it's trink- it trickled out into the market. So when it was launched initially, the thing that caught my um, imagination was that people were posting on Twitter who were doing exams in the Ivy League schools in America, but mm-hmm. they had used it and they had got the grades they wanted, and they were quite open about it. And I didn't know whether this was hype or, mm. you know, they were overstating the obvious. Um, but it seemed to happen. And then it kind of got replicated across the Twitter sphere and different conversations. And I noticed this week that some of the universities around the world are having to take active steps to stop students using it mm-hmm. for exams, um, mainly in college. And mainly in courses where they have internet access to continuous assessments, yeah. you know, submitting ex- essays every semester, as opposed to hardcore exams in a room where there's no threat. Mm-hmm. So the academics have now started testing it against the answers that they're getting in. And the problem is that, that the, one of the ways they're using to test it is that the chat CPT answers are more coherent, more comprehensive and stick to the point than students do. Mm-hmm. That's how they're trying to spot the difference. And there's one university in Australia that's going back to pen and paper and is restructuring all of their exams to avoid the threat of of chat GPT infiltrating the system. Because that'd be quite tricky to tell, I think. Like, obviously, there's certain things they're looking out for, but, you know, someone could slip through the net and then get a degree and may not have earned it themselves, really. Yeah, so what they refer to that as is an integrity risk. Mm. So the universities need to protect 
their integrity and they see this as a risk because obviously if it does slip through, mm-hmm. people who are not qualified will become qualified. Mm-hmm. That's kind and of scary. That Imagine itself, a doctor qualifying yeah. who isn't actually qualified. <laughs> yes. So wow. it, it is a bit of a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it, actually that they've kind of taken so long to kind of catch up with it. They obviously didn't think it was going to be an issue or going to be a threat so soon. Yeah, they kind of sleepwalked into the future on this mm. one. Um, and now they're having crisis meetings about how exams will be marked and where protocols will be put in place to deal with plagiarism. Wow. Yeah, so it's um, it's definitely food for thought. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that goes back to the fact that we all need to be aware of what's happening and the chances of these things kind of not taking over, but they're going to be existing in our lives. And so... You know, all these major companies need to be moving ahead and, and being almost ahead of it rather than waiting for it to catch up with them and then going, OK, we need to move on this. Yeah, the pro- yeah that, that's easy to say, right? But the problem is that, and I know this myself, that the technology moves so quickly. Yeah, like, good point. When I saw mm. that it was launched in beta mode, I thought, oh, this is just going to be like Clubhouse. It's going to come and go. It's going to be mm. no big deal. And it wasn't, and it's not. Because now it's going to infiltrate at the moment, we're playing around with it. But as we do that, it's learning. Mm-hmm. So how do you stop this from multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and learning and learning and learning until it is actually a true risk to the integrity of educational systems? Wow. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's you should so have a go at it. Like, have you tried it yourself? I haven't tried it at all. I must I must have a look at it just to kind of see what... what what are the hypes about, as they say? <laughs> yeah, well, it's really easy to use, actually. I, I threw a few questions about it over the weekend, and this okay. is what I experienced. Mm-hmm. If you ask it a question about a fact, mm-hmm. I asked it stuff about the metaverse. My husband asked it, how do you fix a part of a car, right? Mm-hmm. And it was great with that. But when you ask it emotional things, you can spot that the language isn't natural. It's disconnected from it. Kind of a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bit body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is interesting to have a play around with. Oh, I must have a look. Yeah, it's very interesting. Okay. Funny, like you can ask it all kinds of things. And the other thing you can do is you, you can ask it how to write songs. Oh, you can write a song. I can be a musician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chambers, okay. Well, that's what yeah. I'm going to do this evening. I'm going to have a play around now with it and um, and see what what it spits out for me. Yeah, and it's interesting to keep your eye on that because if you say I want to write a song in the style of Dermot Kennedy today. And then in three months' time, I want to write a song in the style of Dermot Kennedy in three months because he's taking a break, I believe. Mm-hmm, um, that's right. It might have learned so much by then, it might actually give you a different version. Oh, that would be interesting to check back in on it. if you want to call it that. Mm, <laughs> I'll definitely do that because that would be fun. That would be an interesting um, experiment to, to carry out. But I love this. So you're going to be back with us next week to, to give us yeah. some more, more knowledge. Madness. Yeah, I love this. Kira Sheehan, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Emil.